Albertans voting in municipal elections had three provincial initiatives on the ballot. Key among those was a referendum on equalization. The Alberta government has been pushing for equalization reform for quite a while, but there are questions about whether the referendum does anything. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post reporter Tyler Dawson joins me to discuss why the debate isn't a simple yes or no question, what a yes vote actually means, and why this vote is so important to Alberta Premier Jason Kenney. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Tyler, for listeners in other parts of the country who haven't been following, Albertans went to the polls on Monday in municipal elections, electing city councils and school boards and all of that. But tacked on to those elections were a handful of provincial initiatives. And key among those was on the topic of equalization, which may surprise people because equalization is a federal program. What were Albertans voting on on Monday in relation to the federal equalization program? That's sort of the big question because it's not entirely clear what Albertans were voting on. <laughs> Let me unpack that a little bit. The, the question was straightforward. The question said, should the principle of providing equalization that exists within the Canadian constitution be removed from the constitution? So there's a program called equalization. It's been in place since 1957. It takes federal money from tax dollars and provides it to provinces that are less able to provide provincial services. So that, that was the question. The political background on this is a little bit more complicated. So when the United Conservatives were campaigning to form government in 2019, their platform contained promises around holding an equalization referendum. Mm -hmm. What the platform said at the time was that the threat of an equalization referendum and the potential mandate to negotiate on equalization that could stem from said referendum could be used to obtain policy changes federally, such as to get pipelines built, to have Bill C-48, which restricted tanker traffic off the BC coast, reformed, to have Bill C-69, which overhauled the regulatory process around infrastructure projects, reformed. And even since then, the Premier has said at times that the referendum is a lever to use, could provide leverage for reform. So what I'm trying to say in a roundabout sort of way is it's not totally clear that what Albertans were voting on was the question at hand, which is to remove equalization from the Constitution, or this slightly adjacent issue of providing the Kenny government with a mandate to negotiate some equalization reform, or perhaps to use this in some other way to achieve political changes at other levels of government. It may maybe not be a, a succinct summary, but that's sort of the the issues that are confusingly percolating around this uh, this equalization referendum. Okay, and we'll get into some of the discussion around the reasons why, and even the reasons why, despite the fact that we may not have been voting on equalization itself, that the question is worded the way it was. I guess the first big question is, why did the UCP promise this as an election platform? What is the big issue in Alberta? with equalization and is the complaint with equalization borne out by the facts about equalization 
Right. So the initial reason they promised this was part of a larger fight back strategy, which then morphed into the fair deal panel. The United Conservatives said, look, we are going to fight against Ottawa to get more provincial autonomy, similar to the sort of autonomy that Quebec has. So this was a component of that. The fair deal panel reported in May 2020, I think, and it had 25 recommendations. A lot of those will be familiar to people who remember the 2001 firewall letter published in the National Post to Ralph Klein. And that included things like an Alberta pension plan, an Alberta provincial police force, an Alberta parole board, things like that. So, so the equalization referendum was part of that larger strategy. So Albertans don't like equalization because they don't get it. Um, yeah. is, is certainly part of it. <laughs> the system has been in place since 1957. And in the 64 years since, Alberta has received equalization payments eight times. None of those times have been since, I think, 1965, but at any rate, the mid-1960s. So in those 64 years, billions of dollars have come from Alberta to other provinces. And that's sort of the fundamental discontent about it. And the perception, of course, is that this money is going to Quebec to fund its sort of lavish welfare state. To the question of facts on the ground, well, the first sort of issue is that there's a perception in Alberta that is, you know, sometimes gleefully maintained by provincial politicians that the money goes from Alberta to the federal government in some sort of giant novelty check. And that's Mm -hmm. just not the case. What the system actually is, is that Albertans pay taxes, Alberta corporations pay taxes, and those go to the federal government, they go to the provincial government. But, you know, for our purposes here, we're talking federal government. So those taxes are paid by Albertans into the federal government, and then they have this formula that they use to calculate which provinces need more help, and that money goes to them. So the reason why Alberta pays so much more into the system is because Albertans are so much better off on an individual basis than in other provinces. And the reason Alberta doesn't get money back from it is because we have the terms fiscal capacity to provide provincial services at a reasonable level of taxation. Is it fair to complain that money has left Albertans' pockets to the federal government over the last 60 odd years? Well, certainly, if you oppose federal taxation or something. But the reasons why this has been disproportionate are a little bit less clear, a little bit more complicated, I would say, than politicians would would tend to have us believe. Based on all of that information, then what was the argument going into Monday's referendum, why Alberta should vote yes? Well, it was sort of fundamentally that this is unfair. There's a couple ways to sort of look at that unfairness. The first is that Quebec has been the largest beneficiary of the equalization program in the last last 64 years, not on a per capita basis, actually, but on a you know net amount of money. So for example, this year, the program is worth $21 billion, and about $13 billion of that is going to Quebec. And then the other have-not provinces are Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, PEI, and Manitoba. And they're all receiving about $2.5 billion, with the exception of PEI, which is getting like $480 million or something like that. The issue is that this money is going to Quebec, which is the second largest province. And so the argument in favor of it is that this is a system that essentially benefits Quebec at the expense of other have provinces, including BC, Ontario, Saskatchewan, and Newfoundland and Labrador. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it, that you're sort of funding this welfare state in Quebec. The other argument for voting for it and for voting for equalization reform, which was not really part of the discussion, but actually is really important, 
is how it affects Newfoundland and Labrador because of the way natural resource revenues play into it. Yeah. Don't ask me to explain that because that's <laughs> well over my head. But but if you're looking for an argument on why equalization for, should be reformed, probably rich Alberta being upset that it's having to pay more taxes because we're better off is not where you want to look. Probably the strongest argument would be to look like a place like Newfoundland and Labrador and ask whether or not they should really be a have province versus a have not province. And of course, Ontario has been a have not province now and again, in the past decade and a half as well, I think around the time of the financial crisis in 2008. So mm-hmm. the fundamental reason to vote yes was this system is unfair, according to the proponents. And voting yes gives the provincial government, the Alberta government, a mandate to seek discussions with the federal government to reform the system, potentially for the benefit of Alberta, but also potentially for the benefit of other provinces such as Newfoundland and Labrador that are unfairly treated within the formula. There's been much made of the fact that, you know, this is a non-binding question. Uh, One province on its own can't reopen the constitution that it takes, you know, seven provinces representing, what is it, two-thirds majority of the population. Two-thirds of the provincial legislatures representing more than 50% of the population plus the House of Commons and the Senate. So it's not as though Albertans voting in favor of this, and we can get into how some of the numbers are playing out so far in a minute, but it's not a binding question. What's the point then? Is it, you know, will it force negotiations? I've seen a lot of debate about whether it does anything to force other provinces to negotiate. Is the fact that it, the question is based around a constitutional question important here, as opposed to just saying Albertans hate equalization? So yeah, the question was was around a constitutional question. And as you mentioned, it would be very, very challenging perhaps impossible, probably impossible to seek a constitutional amendment that would change this. The argument for this necessitating constitutional negotiations is based around the 1998 Quebec secession reference, which basically said, you know, if there's a clear majority with a clear referendum question, the government is obligated, the governments, I should say, are obligated to come to the table and discuss this. Now, the counter argument to that, which seems to be the persuasive one sort of held by most constitutional law experts, is that a duty to negotiate constitutional reform only arises in a referendum that creates a constitutional crisis, such as a secession referendum. Mm -hmm. You don't, it appears, have a duty to negotiate constitutional reform in the case of a referendum on sort of any old question regarding the constitution. What might arise is some sort of obligation to discuss this. And that is sort of one possible path that this goes down. Albertans have fairly clearly signaled their discontent with the system, and that probably necessitates some sort of response from the federal government. And the other thing to note is that the equalization formula can be changed by the federal government more or less whenever it wants. Stephen Harper's government changed it in 2008-2009, and in 2018-2019, the federal liberals kept that same formula. They could have changed it at that time, um, but sort Mm -hmm. of quietly changed it in in budget documents. And so it it actually comes up for reopened discussions, I guess, or the possibility of reform in 2024. So really that's where the potential avenue for Alberta is, is to, to say, look, we got this mandate. Yes, it was a constitutional question. Clearly people in Alberta are unhappy about this. It's perhaps incumbent upon you, the federal government, to enter into discussions with us or, you know, commission an expert panel or something to come up with a better and new equalization formula. Even though 
Albertans were voting on a, a question related to, you know, we want to seek equalization removed from the Constitution. If there's an overwhelming vote, yes, Alberta could still push for equalization reform without there being a, a great constitutional crisis. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, a cynic or a critic might say, well, the government could have actually pushed for that without a referendum. But what Jason Kenney has sort of implied is that this referendum gives the Alberta legislature an opportunity to pass a motion ratifying the referendum and then sort of more formally with some moral authority take this to the federal government. But, you know, arguably, Jason Kenney could have phoned up the finance minister or the prime minister at any point in the last couple of years and said, hey, let's talk about this. But this certainly has the political benefit of doing it in public and maybe the moral benefit of doing it all in public as well. Looking at the vote itself, the official results won't be released until October 26th, but you're seeing as some municipalities release their unofficial election results on Monday night, they were also releasing results from the provincial referendums. What are Albertans saying so far in terms of equalization? Is the yes side winning? Is it a close win? Does it depend on where you are? Well, it, yeah, it's it's a little bit complicated. And I, I sort of felt like a one-man decision desk on Monday night because <laughs> Calgary released its unofficial results. It's the you know, largest city in the province. And a bunch of smaller municipalities did it. Smaller, but also the biggest ones also did. Edmonton didn't. So that's sort of the, the wild card right now is this strange situation where you can sort of... Basically, the way I went through it is I said, okay, well, Calgary is probably the least conservative part of the province other than Edmonton. So if Calgary votes yes and Lethbridge votes yes, it's you know it's a pretty safe bet that everywhere else is going to vote yes, leaving Edmonton as the wild card. But at this point, it, it looks fairly certain that the yes side, as in the we should remove equalization from the constitution side, is going to win. Calgary reported, I think, 58% of people voted yes on the referendum. Um, if you look at the other big cities in Alberta, all of which are either about 100,000 people or smaller. So that includes Red Deer, Medicine Hat, Lethbridge, and Grand Prairie, all voted between 59% or 58%, I think, in Lethbridge, and closer to 70%, high 60s to 70 in Medicine Hat, Red Deer, and Grand Prairie. So you have a pretty solid overview of the trends in the province. Now, Edmonton could obviously potentially go the other way, although Edmonton is not as liberal as people suppose, generally speaking. But the other factor at play here is just the number of people who voted in the referendum question. If you look at Grand Prairie numbers are the ones that I remember because I was looking at them most recently, you have about 45,000 potential voters in Grand Prairie. In the equalization referendum, only about 9,000 people actually voted. So you're looking at a majority of a minority of voters voting on this question. So it creates sort of a strange circumstance where at the end of the day, there's questions that are going to need to be asked about what was turnout like on this mm-hmm. referendum question. Um, and and therefore, is it a true majority that voted yes? And what sort of mandate, therefore, does that give Premier Jason Kenney? So if the yes vote is successful and Alberta and Premier Jason Kenney try and push the issue of equalization, but don't get anywhere necessarily. Are there other avenues that Alberta would like to see some movement on that, you know, might satiate the base as it is in Alberta, you know, like might satisfy people who are unhappy? Are there other fiscal avenues that Alberta would like to see reform on that might replace equalization reform in terms of getting a fair deal? 
That's a good question. Uh, like the fiscal part of it, that's a good question because nothing leaps immediately to mind. Obviously, Alberta has been a, a significant recipient of aid during the COVID-19 pandemic, which is, you know, a mm-hmm. whole other side of this conversation. But I would say where there would be possible ways to placate the base would be, you know, let's say the Trans Mountain expansion pipeline gets finished and is up and running. Obviously, I think it was line five, I think, is now, or maybe it's line three. I get the two confused. Line three is up and running now. Line three is up and running, yeah. So, I mean, that's obviously of of benefit to the the base in in some fashion. And I I suppose there's also the other fair deal panel stuff, whether or not Alberta goes ahead with creating its own provincial police force or something like that could Mm -hmm. be a sop to the base, shall we say. But if we're talking about some sort of fiscal change federally that would make Albertans happy, I mean, nothing comes immediately to mind for me. I mean, obviously there's like the childcare deal that's probably coming, mm-hmm. but is that the sort of thing that's going to make the base happy? I, I mean, I actually don't know. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have a good answer to that uh, question, I'm afraid. No, no worries. And I mean, looking at the vote as well, you know, as you say, like we could have a majority of the minority voting in favor of this referendum politically for Jason Kenney, how important is it that the yes side wins and then even if the yes side wins, could he still face political backlash if there's no movement on any of these gripes? It was, I think, crucial for Jason Kenney for the yes side to win. Had it been a no vote, I think it probably fairly confidently could have been said to have been a referendum of sorts on his leadership. Since it wasn't, I don't think you can really say that because his popularity, I mean, there's a disconnect, obviously, between 22% support that the Premier has, including only 39% support among UCP voters in 2019, and the fairly substantial majority that this referendum has uh, garnered on the yes side. So so I think it was very, very key for him to win this question. As for the question of how this will affect him if it goes nowhere, we're running into a bit of a timeline issue, I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, like the next election is in 2023 three, right? So two years away, give or take, year and a half. And that is obviously before the the next possible well, well, I don't know if it's the next possible time equalization could be reformed, but but it's it's you know it's it's running out of time a little bit to get substantial changes before the next election, I would say. And of course the other possible complication here is let's say the federal liberals were considering reform and are open to the idea of reform of equalization. Are they going to be more or less willing to engage in that process when confronted with a referendum from Alberta and a referendum presented by Premier Jason Kenney, who surely is not Justin Trudeau's favorite premier? On the flip side, I guess, if the federal government doesn't move on this in the next however long, Premier Jason Kenney can then point to that as more intransigence from the federal liberals mistreating Alberta and a strong conservative premier is needed to fight back against Justin Trudeau. So, you know, either way, I think he can spin this to his benefit to some extent. And so while I think it was key that the yes side win this, given where the premier's numbers are right now, given some of the internal unrest within the United Conservative Caucus and constituency associations, this I don't think will turn his political fortunes around overnight. I guess we'll be watching fairly closely with how the rest of the province votes on this referendum and then what comes next for Alberta. Tyler, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Tyler Dawson. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.